Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live from Epic Puzzles and Games in West Valley City, Utah. The Emperor has been expecting you. Surrounded by games, dice, cards, ventures, puzzles, and more. Are you out of your fucking mind? Where geek is chic and pandemonium reigns supreme. Oh, yeah! Your host, Revan, a guy named Joe, and the great and mighty powerful Plagoon. I can tell what all this trouble is about, but I'm sure it must be your fault. Who reveal the many things about the world of geek? At the end of this day, one shall stand, one shall fall. Grab your staff, throw on your cape, tighten up your utility belt, grab that 20-sided die. You're not making any sense. Excuse me, I'm making perfect sense. You're just not keeping up. Because it's time for Dungeon Crawler's Radio. Oh well, and we're here. <laughs> so um, it works. I have to say the the R two dying was very reminiscent of yesterday. Yeah. Don't uh-huh. don't, don't remind me, please, please. See, please. see we would have been lucky if we would have had an uh, an R two unit with us. <laughs> oh, R two would have saved our bacon. Yes. So for those of you tuning in this evening, uh, welcome. This is Revan. It's a guy named Joe, I guess. Uh-huh. The great and mighty and powerful and yada, 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 Flagoon. And this is an episode on Tuesday because, well, everything crashed and went kablooey yesterday, so we weren't able to broadcast as normal. And because we love you, we didn't want to give you a week of nothingness because, believe me, a week without DCR is like a week without oxygen. So we've decided to take... Can you even make uh, it a week without oxygen? Uh, no, you can't. That's the reason why you can't make it a week without DCR. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we brought you this special episode. Or yes. Show. So we will be doing our interview with Alex Bledsoe uh, this evening, as promised, which we were supposed to do last night. We'll do. We'll run through some geek news items before uh, Alex joins us. And we're not going to be doing a full show tonight. We're only going to be doing a mini show, which is only an hour. It's still long enough, but not quite long enough for us. So, yes. So, and you're lucky to get that. Yeah, because some of us were ready to explode and tear things apart yesterday. Yeah. Joe, Joe was looking like he wasn't wanting to high five a gorilla. He was looking like he wanted to slap a gorilla. Yeah, you, uppercut a gorilla. He was starting to look like the Red Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta yeah. oh, you gotta take a dig on the hair. What, no. happened, what happened to Ginger Solidarity? Hey, I'm I'm right at two. It works. Anyways, it's a, it's safe for Revan to say say stuff like that. I, on the other hand, apparently can't. Otherwise, I'll be seen as as unsensitive and not PC. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta watch stolest, yourself. To you, soulless freaks. 
All right, so uh, geek news. Uh, I, I just want to do something real quick. Uh, you know, r- someone really amazing, at least from the geek perspective that I have, that I remember, have fond memories of, Ernest Borgnine re- recently passed away. Uh, fond memories of Airwolf. Great That's show. Right. Let alone... Talk you know, about Squarepants. Yeah, you know, Mermaid, Ma- Mermaid Man from SpongeBob yeah. Squarepants. I watched a lot of McHale's Navy growing up, so uh, kind of a sad thing seeing him pass. So I have something that we're going to play real quick, kind of in memory uh, of his passing. So uh, we'll take about 20 seconds. Just a second. Okay. Uh, now, wait a minute. Hear me out. Are you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, hula hoops, and Pac-Man video games? Don't you see people today have attention spans? It can only be measured in nanoseconds. That's right. <laughs> nanoseconds. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. And I mean, come on. What a perfect way to go out. I love the Pac-Man video games. Yep. That was from basketball, wasn't it? It was. And then, of course, yep. recently we lost Andy Griffith. So all those that you know remember the good old days with. Uh, him is uh, Sheriff Andy Taylor and Mary Berry. I got another one for that, so we'll play that too. When a man carries a gun all the time, the respect he thinks he's getting might might really be fear. So I don't carry a gun because I don't want the people of Mayberry to fear a gun. I'd rather they would respect me. That's kind of Flagoon's uh, oath, in my opinion, too. What? That they don't fear the gun, they fear you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just yeah, there is no respect. There's just fear. Everyone just fears Flagoon. They respect the gun, they fear Flagoon. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, he you know Ernest Bergman uh was born nineteen seventeen. He's been acting I mean he even just recently finished up uh a movie just this last year. So I mean he's been one of those guys has just been working pretty much his entire life. So, I mean, that's just amazing. That even at 95 years old, he still can uh, finish doing a movie. <laughs> so. Oh, my. Um, well, we all know that DC uh, recently did a relaunch of the New 52 um, this last year, and it sounds like they're possibly doing it again. Um, the New New 52. Yeah, starting with <laughs> the Zeros. Um, however, well, you know, and I kind of understand why they did it a little bit more now with the Flashpoint. They were able to bring three different, you know, Wildstorm and Vertigo and DC all together because they had purchased those other two, and then they brought them together as one. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way, even though they kind of botched it. Um, it looks like Marvel's going to give the Avengers a new beginning. Yeah. Okay. What? Yeah, Marvel is going to uh, do their own Dark Reign event, which will um, be a reboot for the Avengers. Huh. Yeah. Well, you, know, you got to generate as much interest. you gotta get, you got to keep people excited. Yeah, however, they're not going to do a sudden reset like DC did. It's going to be a, su- a subtle transition. It's going to okay. happen in the course of several months. Huh. I wonder yeah. how they plan it from, from October to February is when that's going to happen. Yeah. 
Huh. Okay. Yeah, I thought the whole point of a reboot was that you're hitting effectively hitting the reset button and just wiping the slate clean as opposed to slowly rewriting things. One would think so. So, uh, huh. Other news, Square Enix has finally confirmed that the PC version of Final Fantasy VII Yay! will be released. A PC yeah. version? I thought they already did a PC version. They're re-releasing it, though, so it's actually compatible with modern PCs. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. That's what I, That's the part I was... Missing. But it's also hinted that there's going to be a character booster, uh, some uh, tweaking of some other things, and some DCL content. You mean DLC? Or DLC, yes. Huh, okay. I mean, so, all right, so that might, that's going to hook in some people, but at the same time, though, uh, kind of late? Yeah, and it's going to be in full HD. Oh, well, then that just makes everything all better, except, yeah. wait, no! We're all getting unicorns! Yep. <laughs> and chocobos! So, um, other news, Michael Fassbender, everyone seems to be in love with him. Yeah, one might say that. He will now star in the Assassin's Creed movie. Yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all I'm so I'm all I'm saying is uh, uh video game adaptions and movies have uh not a very good history. Very good. Yeah, I know. Now, so so the question is though is is which which character is he going to be playing? Is going to be the uh the uh the sassy sexy Ezio Auditore, the brooding uh uh, manly uh, Altair, yada 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 yada, or is he going to be the completely useless one? Connor Miles. Yeah, um, it doesn't say yet, so we'll see. Now nobody knows how uh, how Connor's going to be playing out now. Yeah, by the looks of it, it's going to be pretty uh, pretty badass for people who enjoy the uh, Assassin's Creed saga. Yeah. So uh, fans of Hellboy and Ron Perlman, uh, recently he did a special uh, appearance for the Make a Wish Foundation. There's a little boy named Zachary. His wish was to meet Hellboy and become a Hellboy. And so Ron Perlman stepped up, got all dressed up in the Hellboy outfit, and uh, spent the day with him. Oh, nice! How amazing is that? Yeah. So uh, they spent the day with the boy and had a special effects uh, team called uh, Spectral Motion come up with him, and yeah, they they made him up to look like a mini Hellboy, and yeah, he had a fun day. So that I mean, that's really awesome. Wow. Yeah. Man, now that is cool. Wait, that is that's how you make a wish. Yeah, that really is. I mean, they they have pictures out on the website, and you know, he, he's sitting in his full Hellboy you know outfit, and he's just he's sitting on a couch, and this little boy is just like staring at him, like giant eyes, just like whoa. So <laughs> it, it's been confirmed with uh, Justice League, the Justice League movie that's on the way. Christopher Nolan has said he will not be involved with it. He's told his story with Batman, and he is done. And that was that was his original uh, pitch: yeah. was the Batman is just going to be three movies, and yeah. it's going to be completely separated from the DC universe. He did not want to do Robin. He did yeah. not want to do any of the weird, creepy magic. Bad guys, for the lack of a better term. Well, I mean, that I mean that's exactly it. The thing is, is DC has realized that Nolan's the only guy that's really done any of their movies. Tr- I mean, in true spirit of the characters, uh, and so they're really hoping that they can keep him on because 
I mean, let's be honest. If he's part of the Justice League movie, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be pretty cool. That that's that's how you would get a good start. But I mean, I guess with that though, that I mean, Christopher Nolan's effectively saying there is no yeah. truck large enough to hold enough money. Yeah. I I can't <laughs> see Christopher Nolan doing anything outside of the Batman era. I I really don't think Christopher Nolan is the type of director who would do. Green Lantern or the Man of Steel. I, I don't think he could do them the necessarily the justice that they deserve, but I don't think he really has the 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 type of geek love that would give that particular job or that particular movie it's just just do. Yeah, yeah, just because I mean, just the, the the Justice League has a a, a wide range of personalities. Yeah, and a very for Nolan, dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it's just a very different, a different, very different dynamic. And I mean, I would I would think that someone like Joss Whedon would be a natural choice to cover that. Oh wait, no wait, he's doing the Avengers. Yeah, <laughs> so awesome. Joss Whedon does the Avengers and. <laughs> and the Justice League. Yeah. So it sounds like Carl Urban is also possibly leaked who the next Star Trek II villain is going to be. So uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was – there was rumors out there he's going to be Khan. That was shut down by Simon yeah, that was Uh During an interview with Carl Urban, he was he said that uh, Cumberbatch is pretty awesome. He's a great addition, and he thinks his Gary Mitchell is going to be uh, – Exemplary. Now, Gary Mitchell was a character uh, from the old Star Trek series that was a friend of Kirk's that somehow got telepathic powers and started manipulating the crew and Kirk, and um, which was originally done by. Uh, let's see. Oh, I don't have that. Anyways, um, so it would be interesting if that really is a character, but it seems like. They've been throwing out much like you know, like Doctor Who. They throw out stuff to kind of get people's interest, but then squash it. And so there's so much stuff out there that we don't really know what's what. So hey, and that's a good thing, though. No, that is that's a really good thing. You know, it's like uh, with Spider-Man, even with this, this new Batman movie that's out. It's uh, you know, with all these other rumors, it makes us kind of you know we're getting our little addiction by getting information. Um, but at the same time, we don't know what's true and what's not. So, oh, looks like Alex is calling in now. So, uh, we'll pick this up. Joe, you want to take it? Uh, let's see here. I'm hitting go. Ah, ah. Hello. And hello. Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Is this Alex Bledsoe? It is. Alex, welcome finally <laughs> to the show. Welcome. And so, I didn't have to listen to any of the, uh, the easy hold. listening jazz hold music tonight. That was awesome. Yeah, well, Just, <laughs> we didn't even know we had hold music. Yeah, that was the first oh, time yeah. we've ever oh. actually had anyone hear it. So yeah, I had the was... urge to put on a turtleneck and a blazer, you know. It was great. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe sit back, snap the fingers a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for <laughs> being patient with us and coming back on this evening after our mortal uh death sentence yesterday when we got we got hit by the bug the internet issue <laughs> outage but um yeah well welcome so uh well, your new book uh 
Oh, I'm going to botch this. Awake of Bloody Angels? Is that correct? No. <laughs> Wake, Wake of the Bloody the Angel. Bloody Angel. Bloody the Bloody Angel. Angel being a ship. Yes. I, I don't know why, but for some reason, I can never say it right. It's the weirdest thing. The other guy's got it, and I always like want to transpose it. Sorry. Now, That's the, all right. That, that, when I turned it into the publisher, it was called The Two Eddies. So. The Two Eddies? <laughs> maybe that would have been easier. <laughs> I don't know. The name is awesome, and the Bloody Angel is a ship, huh? Right. It's a it's a pirate ship, and in the world of of Eddie Lacrosse, it's a famous ship that sank twenty years ago with the biggest pirate treasure ever on it. Hmm. And Eddie has is is hired by a friend to find out whether it truly sank and whether the captain of it really died with it, the way everybody thinks. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So um so what made you uh why why a name like the Bloody Angel? Cuz I mean that almost sounds like it would be cursed from the beginning when uh, ships usually have like <laughs> don't they don't, don't ships usually have like nicer names like the Jenny or like or like <laughs> the Beautiful Sunset or something like that. <laughs> well, you want a name that's going to, you know, a supposedly strike terror into the hearts of your victims so that they are too afraid to fight back. And also the name, the use of the name Angel is a is kind of a plot point that I don't want to give away right now. Oh, okay. Ah. Now, that, uh, this is a, a series of books, if I remember right. What, you know, how far into the series is this book located? Well, this is the fourth book in the series, but they're all standalones. You don't have to have read the others to to jump into this one. They're meant nice. to be. Yeah, because as a reader, nothing bugs me more than picking up a book that looks interesting and then finding out it's the third book in a five book series and it starts right in the middle of the story. And if you ha- haven't read the other two, or more than likely can't find the other two in the same store, you're just out of luck. I don't want my readers to have to do that. Oh wow, you're just too nice. Um, <laughs> you've just gained another listener. Or reader, just from that, I, I cool. You know, I, I like long series books, but the fact that I can go pick up a book and I'm good with just that one, and I don't have to go get the next one, I mean that's kind of a frustration. Especially like if you get you have to pick up the middle book, and then you got to go yeah. to the book before, and then you got to get the book after, and then especially if you have to wait another year for the next book, oh, that's just frustrating. Or if you're one of those. You know, if you're if you're into a series and then the publisher or the author decides not to continue it, oh yeah, that's that's a frustration too. Yeah, we had a friend of ours actually had that happen. It was a five book series. He was in two books, and then the publisher decided they weren't going to carry fantasy and science fiction anymore, and he got orphaned. So, oh man, yeah, <laughs> just horrible because it's like, okay, now what can you do? <laughs> Because I mean it was a great series, but you know now he's he's trying to push it out independently by himself. But uh, yeah, that's just tough. That's about your only option in that sort of situation. Yeah, just to, to to finish it and hope that the fans that that are interested will be able to find it. But it's it's also nice that there's that option now that you know used to be you couldn't you couldn't do that. You know if you if you were orphaned mm-hmm. that that was it for that property. But now. It's feasible. You can write the book, put it out there online, and hopefully people will find it. Right. So then, um, is, is something like ebooks uh, for you has that has ebooks been lucrative 
for you, or is this, or is it not, or is it just a, kind of a stepping stone to getting the big things? Oh no, I'm rolling in it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean eBooks are are not a huge part of of the Eddie Lacrosse stuff. I'm doing an a, an eBook only series called the Firefly Witch. That uh, you know, obviously that's I've just started doing that, so it hasn't really taken off yet, but. There was we gave away um we had a three day freebie window over the holiday and that we gave away a lot of copies of the first collection of stories, so hopefully that will start picking up. But you know, the I mean sure. ebooks are what they are, you know, in and as a storyteller I'm not terribly invested in how people read my stories. Mm-hmm. I you know, I just want them to read them. Yeah. Just I, so long as know, they get now, you can get it to them, you're happy. Yeah. You know, as an old-fashioned guy, I like getting the big box of books when my books come out, you know. <laughs> and you can't autograph an e-book, so you can't have signings for those. Yeah. Right. Well, they can sign the back, but there's only so much room. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I've heard somebody's working on software for that that will allow you to, yep. you know, sign on the screen and have it go into the document. But I don't know how you can... Yeah, you we know, actually... Forger- recently... Forgery is an obvious issue with that. Yeah. yeah, we actually recently talked about that on our show. That that is something that's coming out. But you're right. There is, you know, how can you actually tell that that really is their signature or not at that point? So yeah, and, and I agree. I you know, uh, I know Flagoon uh, has his e-reader and reads books on there all the time. I just love the feel of a book in my hand, flipping through the pages. You know, as I'm engrossed in my story and you know, flipping back. You know. Furiously through trying to get through to the next plot scene. So, yeah, yeah. I my my publisher is, is pushing more editing options, you know, more electronic editing options for me. You know, getting proofs back electronically and things like that. And I'm I'm so used to having the piles of paper to flip through that it's really been kind of a learning curve to get up to speed to do that electronically because you can't, you know, obviously, unless you're going to print the whole document out, which defeats the purpose of doing it electronically, you Mm -hmm. just have to master a whole new set of skills for keeping things in your head and keeping track of everything. Yeah. So then what is, um, so what, I mean, aside from uh, learning these new electronic, uh, methods for your editing process, I mean, what, what, what do you, what's really changed over the years for you now that eBooks and e-reading, and stuff like that has come um, is really growing into its own. Well, it hasn't really changed that much for me because my first book came out in 2007, so I've kind of been right there as these have happened. All my books have, have been, you know, made available concurrently in ebook editions, and you know, it, there's nothing in my job description that changes based on that. I mean, the the self, now the stuff I'm putting out only electronically. There's a little bit more involved in that, but not a whole lot. I mean, my job is really still the same, to sit there and, and you know write the stories and think them up. And all the rest of it is kind of ancillary to that. It's It can be you know difficult or not, but it's not really a crucial part of the process, like the, the, the time sit, I spend staring at the screen trying to think of something. Hmm. All right. Now, there are, well, you know, there are a lot of writers who are far more into this area of the market than I am, and they probably have completely different answers to that. <laughs> oh, everyone does. So yeah. There's no problem with that. It's always good to have a different opinion, though. Now, 
why pirates? Why did he decide to go with pirates with this? Because uh, I love pirates. Good answer. Good. Yeah. Well, every the the Eddie Lacrosse books, I try to have one core concept for each of them. I mean, for my book Burn Me Deadly, it was dragons. For my okay. book Dark Jenny, it was King Arthur. So the core concept for this one was pirates, and then it's just a matter of putting in all the cool stuff I like about pirates. Oh, and okay. It, you know, and, you know, half the fun of this stuff is doing the research on it. I mean, reading about yeah. pirates, watching movies about pirates, deciding which little bits of trivia work and which ones don't, because obviously it can't be hyper-realistic since I'm, my, you know, my story takes place in a, non, in a society that doesn't have gunpowder. So wow. you can't have, you know, yeah. cannons, but... You can. There are alternatives out there. You know, you can. You, you just have to kind of apply yourself, and that's that's where the fun of it is. Ballista, catapults, trebuchets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, ballista, ballista are what I'm using in place of in place of uh, cannons. Very and I'll, nice. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story about the the research of it. I was I had been just reading and reading and reading about historical pirates and writing at the same time, and my book had just ground to a halt it had become so dull to write and so dull probably to read that i just couldn't figure out what what wasn't working and i was talking to my uh, seven-year-old son and just telling him the broad strokes of the story and saying you know this is what's happened this is what's happened and now i'm here and i don't know what should happen next and he without any hesitation said you need a monster and it is like it was like throwing a switch because i I forgot something really, really basic, which is, hey, I'm writing a fantasy. I do not have to make every historical detail <laughs> work here. I yeah. can put a monster in there if I want. Yeah. And after yeah. that, after that, it was no pun intended, smooth sailing. <laughs> oh, so I mean, uh, so now I mean, we're, we're, we're so you kind of gave us some insight into how how you're crafting these stories with the core concepts and stuff. But what, I mean, how how did you come up with Eddie Lacrosse? What makes Eddie Lacrosse different from the next swashbuckler? Well, Eddie, the Eddie Lacrosse novels are high fantasy, you know, swords, castles, dragons, all that novels, but they're written as if they were 40s detective novels, which is one reason he's named Eddie and not some, you know, more multisyllabic fantasy name. And huh. the, right. the the idea for that, the reason for that is that I wanted to allow maybe people who don't normally read fantasy, who get maybe put off by odd names and unpronounceable things, to be able to get into the story. And for people who do read a lot of fantasy, it gets it gets you a lot of the stuff out of the way. You don't have to build a lot of the society that usually hangs around names. You can get right to the story if your names are, are just normal. So there's Eddie, there's his recurring girlfriend Liz, his um landlord Angelina, his you know, he has friends who have normal names. His one his best friend growing up was named Phil. So and yet all okay. these all this takes place against a fantasy background. All right, so yeah, so there's less hang up on, whoa, where did they get that huge name? It's just like, okay, no, that's Eddie, that's Phil, that's Angie, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the idea. That's that was you know the the driving force on that. And the first book I did, 
you know, with the character called the Sword Edged Blonde, I was really kind of defining that that sort of world. And uh, you know, you 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 make anytime you do your first book, you throw everything in because you don't know that there's going to be a second usually. Yeah. And I think you know, I think you know, as I've gone on with it, I've gotten much better at smoothing the 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 um, anachronisms into the story. Because there are anytime you do something like that, there's going to be anachronisms. There's going to be things that are going to make they'll they'll make some readers go, oh, that's cool, and they'll make some readers go, oh, come on. But right. you, you know, you you want to make the story and the emotional investment in the characters strong enough to carry you through that, which whatever your reaction is to that. Yeah, and usually, I mean, and, and any reaction is usually a good reaction. Because even if they're saying, "Oh, come on," but then they're, but then your readers are saying, "Okay, well, then what's happening next?" And then yeah, I, and that's, you know, as long as they're smiling when they say, "Oh, come on, I'm all right." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to make being really underway entertaining. <laughs> well, and Lagoon should really fill at home with this type of a book. He was on the Coast Guard for what, twelve, thirteen years? Ten years. Ten years. Oh, I was making it longer than it was. Uh, uh, it felt like twelve. Yeah, so you know, being underway and out on a boat should be normal for you. <laughs> oh, that it is very normal. And fighting pirates. Did you ever get that? I uh, didn't get much of a chance to fight pirates, but that was the Coast Guard's orig- uh, one of the Coast Guard's original missions. Nice. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know anyone that doesn't love pirates, and especially since the mo- Pirates of the Caribbean movies came out, that seems to like has, you know, hyped up pirates even more. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm old enough. My pirates go back to like Captain Blood and the Seahawk and yeah. stuff like that. There's there's a, a great, very, very un, unsung movie called Nate and Hayes with um, Tommy Lee Jones as a pirate. Really? Yeah. And huh. there's there's a there's a couple of visual jokes in that that are just. You know, you're just astounded that somebody thought them up and then had the nerve to go ahead and, and film this because they're just so outlandish. And it's called Nate and Hayes? Nate and Hayes. Huh, I'm going to have to look this up. To see a young Tommy yeah. Lee Jones as a pirate is interesting. Yeah, it was. I guess it was sometime in the 80s. Huh. So, and, um, All right. Yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy that one. I am taking a note right now. I'm looking it up on Netflix. Oh, you. <laughs> Gotta love Netflix. Even better. Well, I, yeah, I mean, pirates have been around for years. I mean, uh, I remember there was, I can't remember the name of it, but there's like a pirate movie with Errol Flynn in it, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, that, well, he was in Captain Blood and the Seahawk. Yeah, okay, so then those are probably the two I'm thinking of then. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I... There's this great material out there, and I don't, I don't think there's enough pirate books out there, to be honest. There really aren't. Uh, you know, you, no, there's, there aren't. Thank goodness. Especially yeah. <laughs> that means uh, mine will stand out a little more. Yeah, I mean, right. in a high <laughs> setting. So, I mean, I think it's amazing that you don't have gunpowder. Um, you know, I'll you know, I kind of do a role playing game, uh, and I don't like gunpowder in my, in my game system. I I like. You know, catapults, ballista, uh, bow and arrow, crossbows. But I just don't like guns in my, in my game. Yeah. So to have that in your world, that's just that's uh, that's a huge thing in my opinion. So. 
Just my yeah, my two cents. <laughs> so I mean, what? So what? What? What was it like then? The first time you started blending such iconic imagery, such as like such as dragons and pirates and stuff, uh, uh, or or magic and pirates. Uh, how? How? I mean, did that did that sort of flick that uh, little kid switch and and oh, make yeah. you kind of clap and clap around and jump about? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I was. There, there's a scene where. Are you still there? Yeah, you, I'm here. Still here? Okay. I, it got real quiet. I wasn't sure. Yeah, uh, there's no, a scene where, that I got to write where pirates are fighting giant Komodo dragons, and I was so gleefully writing that that it was like I was 12 years old again. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, that's just that you know to me that's just the the, the quintessential adventure sort of image is you know these unlikely two things fighting to the death. I mean, if you think back to, like, the old paperback covers in the 60s and 70s, that was always on the cover. You would have somebody with an axe or a sword fighting a saber-toothed tiger or a dragon or something, and, you know, even if it didn't necessarily occur in the book that way, it got it got your attention and it gave you the atmosphere of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. So when you're when you're talking about blending this stuff, the the, the trick, I mean, the only trick for me is to make sure that it's believable to the character, that it's something these characters in this world would would encounter and that they would react truly to it. As long as that happens, I'm I can go with anything. So so things now, I do, like I do try to back the Kraken and centaurs and stuff would have to be almost commonplace. Or at least, right, right, at least right. not, or at least uncommon to the point where they'd be like, "Oh man, not again." Well, see, and that's the thing you can you can make your characters react to it however you want, as long as it's a true reaction. And when it comes to the magic in the stories, I try to I try to back the overtness of that way back, so that for a, in a lot of instances, there's there's maybe an alternate explanation, but you'll eventually get to a point where there isn't one, where where the the character, the viewpoint character, has to accept that this is something supernatural, paranormal, magical. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of those in this book. Hmm. But I'm not going to okay. tell you about Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't give that away. So, I mean, so what... Um... He keeps baiting me to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Good so, thing I have a copy. <laughs> so, wait, so when you're when you're when you're trying to create these like natural reactions for these characters, then I mean, what 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 sort of things go into the characters themselves so they don't so they're not like question when they, they they see magic happen and they're like instead of going like okay what is that they're like oh come on really or or or, or all right time to get get to work. Well, the the easy thing and the nice thing about about this book is it's written in first person. So my viewpoint character is the one that I have to to get right, but really he's the only one I have to worry about at a deep psychological level because yeah. everybody else, we see their reactions filtered through his point of view. What I have to make the reader do is believe what, you know, the reader's going to go with what what Eddie responds to and the way Eddie responds to it. If he you know, blows it off, or if he says, "Oh no, not again," that the reader's going to to look at it that way. But if it brings Eddie up short, if it makes him, you know, stop dead in his tracks, metaphorically or or even literally, 
then the reader's going to know this is really something significant. And that's right. When you're dealing with when you're dealing with fantasy, that's a danger because you know the the idea of fantasy includes magic. So how do you yeah. make magic magical for the reader? And the only way to do that is to do it through the character's reactions. And if I can make if I can make the reader pause when Eddie pauses, if I can make the reader say, "Oh wow, that's really unusual and really weird," then you know, then I've got them. I see. And so then, uh-huh. I mean, so when you're you're crafting Eddie Lacrosse to be the sort of 1940s, um, like almost noir detective, right? In a in a in the, in the swashbuckling. So I mean, does he would would you say he behaves similarly to like the Sam Spade uh, archetype, or does he behave similarly to like the uh, Captain Jack Sparrow? Sort of a, uh, no, he's he's nothing like Captain Jack Sparrow. He's, <laughs> he's more like like the he's more like Philip Marlowe or um, Robert Parker Spencer character, except instead of a gun, he carries a sword, and he's he is the the term I use is sword jockey instead mm-hmm. of private eye, and he's hired okay. to you know figure things out, find people who have disappeared. You know, occasionally do some, you know, some heavy work for people, but again, it's all in the context of being in a fantasy world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And so it's just a matter of, I guess, juxtaposing certain ideas. Uh, right. Or right. He, setting them in different eras. Yeah. He ha- he has an office above a medieval tavern. So people come to his office to hire him, just like you would a detective, but they might be hiring him to, you know, like in this case, find out what happened to this pirate 20 years ago who, you know, there's there's legends that he's still out there. There's legends that there's a ghost, that he still captains a ghost ship. You know, there's there's all these competing stories about this, this pirate. So the, his job is to find the truth of that. Okay. I see, and then and then he has uh, he has his backup of his uh, of his lady friend, and then uh, I, I presume that his landlord gives him uh, a few uh, gives him some tips or something like that. I presume that's a really yeah yeah. I mean, he has he has clues, but he you know a lot of it is just going out there and poking around and and asking questions and and you know annoying people until somebody does something, which is a pretty mm-hmm. standard private eye trope, but you don't see it a lot in fantasy stuff. Yeah. So it's so, so he's almost taking like that uh that detective sensibility and bringing right. it way back then and so I mean so I mean so do we see someone like Eddie Lacrosse kind of roughing up uh, uh roughing up some some uh some like back alley hooligans or something like that? Does he does he have to pull oh, yeah. out his blade every once in a while? Oh yeah. Yeah, there's there's lots of action and Eddie is He's a he's a character as a character he's in the stories he's close to forty and he has a very um, iffy past. Mm-hmm. So he's he's one of those characters that you know as a young man he did some really terrible things and now one of the things he tries to, is trying to do is atone for some of that by helping people out. But okay. he still takes money. Oh yeah, you gotta make a living, right? Right. Yeah. And he's but good at what he does, he, I presume. He, Yes, he 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 make he gets by. He has he doesn't need much, so he gets by okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, looks like we got a call coming in. Um, let me gra- we'll grab this. Uh, it looks like a caller is going to ask be asking a question. So. Sure. 
Thanks for calling Dungeon Callers Radio. This is Dan- this is Revan. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I only, um, funnily enough, I crawled across your show while going through Blog Talk. Uh, it's nice to actually see a show about uh, RPGs. Yeah. Uh, do you? Have, we have a uh, author Alex Bledsoe on the line. Uh, do you have any questions for him? Uh, just generally, yes. I'd like to say that uh, has he ever tried to uh, get involved with uh, interactive novels? Uh, that is my question for him, and I do have another question for you guys as well. All right. But I would say, have you ever gotten involved with interactive novels uh, involving stacks? So having basically a role-playing game within a book, such as... Uh, you have a character starting with specific stats, and depending on the page you can go on, you earn or lose stats. Have you ever thought of that? No, I, ne- I never have. I'm pretty, pretty. I'm a pretty traditional storyteller in that way, but I, I've never, I've never thought about that. Although similar to that, I just, I just did an interview with another writer. Excuse me, another writer friend named Holly McDowell, who is coming out with a serial novel where people will be able to, you know, post what they'd like to have happen next and who they'd like to see, you know, how they'd like to see the characters interact. So it's not exactly the same thing, but it's something that I think you might be seeing more of, and I'm certainly not against the idea of maybe trying it. I mean, I, I love the idea of uh, uh, amazing authors like yourself actually uh being able to create novels where people could level up my first book and already have a level stated on the next book. I mean, it, it sounds, uh, to be honest, it sounds like something that could be a great concept. Yeah, it does sound interesting. It does. It really does. Wow. Hmm. Great question. All right. Then who, all right, then we need to figure out who we need to talk to. We need to see if we can make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely, I'm, I'm, quite, shame. I'm quite willing to uh, give a hand on. I mean, myself, uh, I've been a, a member of a couple of games clubs before. Uh, I actually wrote, I don't know if you ever played Epic 40,000 uh, from mm-hmm. the Games Workshop. Um, I wrote a game called Last Stand, which is a very simplified version of that. It's basically the equivalent of a tabletop version of uh, Command and Conquer, the original commanding character and it came to something where I was in a group of 40 people and uh, out of those 40 people, 36 of them turned around and said I wrote a better game for that scale than the Games Workshop did Wow So I'm quite willing to uh, put those rules out for free um, if you guys are interested Um but definitely, if you're looking for those ideas for books, and I would definitely say that I, I instead of saying, if you want to go this way, go to this page. If you want to go this way to this page, then I would say that instead of having a choice of two pages, you have a choice of six pages and say, if you want to go this way, but your intelligence is not enough, then go this mm-hmm. way. But if, you want to, if your intelligence is high enough to go this way, if your strength isn't high enough, go this way. But if your strength is high enough, go this way. And go through that route. So instead of giving people a two-choice 
option, give them a six-choice option. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, but in role-playing style. Exactly. You basically, on the first page, um, basically included with the book, you actually include a uh, an A4 sheet of paper that they could actually get printouts of, and mm-hmm. instead of just having them uh, just doing it by themselves, they can actually have other guys play alongside with them. And each of them make their own decisions, so you can actually watch these guys have their own adventures so they can choose to stay together or choose to split it up or whatever works. Well, that's interesting. We'll have to maybe talk to you another time about that. Uh, You said you had another question? Uh, Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, When it comes down to, uh, it's not even role-playing, but one of the things that I found that uh, one... One of the main games that role players loved was uh, the original Command and Conquer. For some reason, original role players had a massive love for that game. And the question I have, have is, have you explored um, OpenRA? OpenRA is Blake's basically a system that allows you to play the original Command and Conquer and the original Command and Conquer Red Alert. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, would you like the website details? Yeah, I mean, if you wouldn't mind, if you could email it to us, uh, email it to us at info at dungeoncrawlersradio.com and we'll take a look well, at it. Well, that's great. I, mean, I can even give you the address on the air. The sure, actual address is... Yeah, what is it? Uh, it's O P N R A, so it's openra. Dot R E S zero one dot net, um, and it basically sends you straight towards a link to download an actual version that is not the single player, but actually someone has rewritten Command and Conquer mm-hmm. and Red Alert. To make basically make it an eight-player multiplayer game. Huh. Wow! Yeah. Wow, that's, well, that's you heard it here, listeners. Right there, you can get yourselves a get your hands on a copy and play with your friends. All right. And well. on top of that, um, I'm gonna actually post. A, I don't know if you have a chat room or not, but if you don't. I'm gonna post it in the comments. You've got a direct link. Yeah. I only discovered mm-hmm. discover the. Uh, thing recently myself uh, I'm running off a Windows 7 laptop and okay. all you have to do is when you start a game go into mods and you can choose whether to play all you have to do is remember to play choose on the mod um, commanding card or red alert okay I think we it, we lost him there. It, it, all right, well. Kind of cut out there. Yeah, I mean, uh, if he wants to yeah, send us those comments, that'd be great. I, absolutely. I don't know what there, but uh, we got to jump back over to Alex and wrap this interview up. So, um, sorry, that took a little bit more time than I anticipated, Alex. Thanks no, for no basic. worries. But that was kind of an interesting idea, though, making uh, a book that you read into... Um, Kind of a role playing system in a way by doing choose your own adventure. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure that's going. You know, 
that's going somebody's mm-hmm. going to do that if they haven't yeah. already. Yeah. Because no. that's you know, there's so many there's so many writers doing tie in novels with the actual games. I don't know do you guys know Matt Forbeck? Um sounds familiar. Yeah, he's he's done a, a lot of tie in tie in books. He's and if anybody's gonna do something like that I can see him him making the jump for that because it is it is a good idea. Mm-hmm. That would that would work great on uh, on e readers. That way you're not have, you're not packing around a two thousand page book. Yeah. Right. Well, and then you probably could have like a button or a link where it could. Um, I'm wondering a, if you might almost need like three or four writers to do it justice, though. Yeah. Because yeah, you you know one person can't necessarily think of every per- possible workable permutation. You might need other input on it. Yeah, and to make and make sure like all the logistics work correctly. Right. So that way you don't end up in some like weird loop. That would be fun though. Ten. All right. Well, um, you know, I'm assuming they can find all of the Eddie books out at any uh, traditional bookstore. Pretty much, they're all. They're on all the uh, major bookstores, all the online bookstores. You can get them on on um, Unabridged Audio. So they're they're available for however you'd like to take take them home. Nice. And all right. What were the 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 series of your other books? The one with the dragon and the King Arthur. Okay. The, well, the first one is the Sword Edge Blonde. Okay. The second one is Burn Me Deadly. Ooh. Then there's Dark Jenny. And finally, Wake of the Bloody Angel. And there'll be another one next year, although I'm not sure what the title's gonna be yet. What's uh what's that gonna be about if you if you're wanting to uh let us know? It I'd I would tell you except I'm at this point in the writing process, I don't have a short answer. I can't okay. just say pirates yet. I, I so as soon as, as soon as I get a, a you know a, a clever high concept thing, I can I can tell you what what I started with like like with Pirates or Dragons, but it wouldn't quite capture where the story's going. Which I and I know none of this is making any sense because this is weird writer talk, but I just <laughs> I've I've finished the first draft and literally tomorrow I'm going to start the revisions on it. So I'm not anywhere near done with it yet. So that's. That's the reason I don't want to be locked down to anything too solid yet. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But there will be one. <laughs> oh, so right. exciting! Uh, you guys have any other last-minute questions? Um, no. I mean, no. You hit the ones that I was going to ask. So that's all right. Well, um, so we'll see a new book within the next year, roughly. Yep. Wow. Uh, any other books that, that are coming out for you? I, I I know some authors write several a year. There's some that only do one once a year or even once every other year. So how often do you put a book out? Um, the Eddie books are once a year. I've got another, possibly another series about um, a race of Irish fairies in Appalachia. The first book in that was called The Hum and the Shiver. And it came out last year, and the sequel to that, which is called Wisp of a Thing, will be out next year as well. Mm. And then uh-huh. I've also got the Firefly Witch ebooks online through Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and 
they'll be they'll be put out. You know, we're we're trying to get several of those out quickly because they're they're like three story collections, and we want to get as much of them out there as we can as quickly as possible. And then I've got some other stuff that's that I'm kind of writing on spec just because I'm interested in it, and we'll see what happens with that. Nice. Wow, I sounds like a lot of great titles out there and good books. Now, how long have you been writing? Oh, all my life. All the, your life? The earliest, th- the earliest thing I remember writing is taking a Batman comic book and turning it into a short story on my dad's old manual typewriter and then getting in trouble for using up all the ink on the ribbon. The ribbon, yeah. Because <laughs> I... I, and, and I typed like to the very edge of the paper for every line. So I wish I still had this thing because it was, you know, it was almost like some weird piece of art because the, the the lines went straight to the edge. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, if you're going to get in trouble for writing a, a book, go Batman. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, who 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 better to to start off with? So that would actually be amazing. I remember those old typewriters. Uh, we used to have one, and that ribbon was so testy uh, half yeah. the time. So, you know, just the, the clicking of the keys, and then you hit the end, and then that, that ding, and then it zips back to the other side. Oh. Uh, very, yeah, very nostalgic right there. I loved playing <laughs> with that typewriter, even though I got in trouble all the time. There's a great movie with Kirk Douglas where he's playing a reporter, and he'll, he holds a match down by the typewriter and hits that return button so that the uh-huh. whole carriage slides back and strikes the match for him so he can light a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> you d- you uh, can't do that with a laptop. No, you can't. Uh, you, don't, you don't get the deal. It just doesn't, uh, it just, just doesn't really... Uh, I, I don't think it's really safe. <laughs> that would be interesting, though. Eh. So I have I have one last question. While sure. you were writing about pirates or King Arthur or dragons or what have you, what's your music choice? Oh, it kind of varies. Um, oddly enough, I do most of my editing to Joy Division, if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and... <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a huge Springsteen fan too. So that, but that usually that doesn't that doesn't you know encourage you to be thoughtful and quiet. That encourages you to get up and you know shout and jump around. Yeah, so, yeah. Generally for generally for editing, it's it's that or it's some you know so I'll go on to Pandora and I'll find some instrumental channel where it just you know goes on. So that way you're not uh, tempted to stand up and start singing along and uh, get totally distracted. Yeah, <laughs> and that happens. <laughs> that happens because you know sometimes you just you get you realize I'd rather listen to this music than write this scene right now, and yeah. that's not a good attitude. <laughs> not a good place to end up. <laughs> oh man, I love this song. I gotta. I got. I can't type while I while I listen to this song. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a great song. Oh, they played this song afterwards. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours later, you've listened to almost all of the uh, all of the uh, music from the Clash and didn't write a word. Yeah, but you feel oh, great. Wait, that that happened to me. Ah. <laughs> uh. So all right, well, we are what like at two minutes 
two two or three minutes to the hour here. We are. Yeah, I think we are almost. We are like right at the edge of time here. Yeah, we are. So, um, you know, I want to say thank you to Alex for coming on the show. Putting no, up thanks with, for having uh, me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you for being on. Enjoyed having you on. You know, when the next book comes out or any of your books come out, you know, shoot us an email. Let us know. Be more than Will happy to, to have you come on the show. Talk about those books. Uh, you know, thanks for putting up with a little meltdown yesterday and agreeing no to come problem. back on this evening. Um, you know, everyone out there that's listening, check out Alex's books, uh, especially this one. You don't have to go buy his whole series, but I'm sure he wants you to. Yeah, check out Wake of the Blood Angel. Bloody, Bloody Angel. Angel. Bloody Angel. Ah, I'm not the only one that messed ah, up. Yay! I, I lose. All oh, right, I'm the only one who hasn't. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> well, give it to the guy that's a C, that's worked on the seas to remember. I've been <laughs> I've been to Antarctica for a month and a half, for two and a half months. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I kind I kind of want to do that sometime. I kind of want to go down there. Uh, be prepared but, not to but, sleep. Well, yeah. Really? I mean, I, I've. I've read some books about it. I've got a, a friend who went down there for a while and then wrote a book about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm as familiar with it as I can be without actually going myself. All right. Well, All right. thank you for coming on the show. Keep in touch. Uh, and uh, everyone, go out, pick up Alex's books. And, you know, Alex, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Have a great night. All right, everyone. Uh, that was Alex Bledsoe, author of In the Wake of Bloody Angels. Is that Wake it? of the Bloody, Bloody Angel. Angel. Wake of the Bloody Angels. I see. I'm going to mess it up. Um, and for the gentleman that called in, uh, you know, we apologize. Uh, I don't know what happened. It, you know, this happened before. Remember uh, when uh, we had Firebird on the show? It like dropped someone, but then it froze, and then we couldn't. I couldn't clear him out or yeah. anything. It was weird. So. Uh, if you tried calling back, we apologize. Um, it wouldn't clear your call out, so if you were trying to call back in, we couldn't see it. So. But to answer his question, yes, I have actually played with OpenRA. It's kind of fun, okay. and I'd like to get back into it. I just haven't had the time. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind emailing us at info at dungeoncrawlersradio.com, we'd be more than happy to look over that stuff, and maybe we can bring him back on the show to talk about things. So. Um, we yeah we're under ninety seconds now so thanks for tuning in um, those of you listening thanks for to giving this, us one more chance thank yeah. you thank you thank you yeah I, I don't think a lot of people are going to be upset that we weren't on last night um, from the postings I saw on Facebook and that a lot of people were understanding especially since this is not a this isn't a normal occurrence for us so next week we will have Timothy author Zahn. Timothy Zahn. Uh, famous for creating most of the extended Star Wars universe and much, much more. Uh, if you check out his website, he's got tons of books coming out. So we'll have him, uh, another great interview from Tor. Uh, and then the following week, we will have a best of show. We'll be out just because it's a holiday here, and I have a birthday that evening that I must attend. And then the next week after that is the R.A. Salvatore interview with Wizards for the uh, new Sharon's Claw book by uh, Bob. So... Uh, tune in, and we will catch you next Monday. All right. So, yeah, until next time, good night, Salt Lake, good night, world, and get more fun your games. Arr, I be loving ye, Internet, arr. That was awesome. <laughs> and we totally botched that because we wow. seconds. So because of that, you know what I'm going to do? Where's our goodbye? There it is. We'll catch you next week.
Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. Bye.